It's the Brian Lehrer Show on WNYC. Good morning, everyone. We've been covering the campaign to replace George Santos in Congress from New York's 3rd Congressional District, and we'll continue that now with a look at how Democrat Tom Swasey and Republican Mozzie Pillip are campaigning and compare some of their stands on the issues in this swing district, which includes parts of Northeast Queens like Bayside, Douglaston, and Little Neck, and mostly the north shore of Nassau County from Great Neck out to Syosset and some points further south like Hicksville and Massapequa. The district went for Biden in 2020, but elected the Republican Santos in 2022. So this is really a swing district. And this special election begins with early voting soon on Saturday, February 3rd, and continues through the actual election day on Tuesday, February 13th. And of course, there are national implications for narrowing the tiny Republican majority even more immediately, and as a test case, perhaps more importantly, on how to campaign for many, many swing suburban districts around the country with control of Congress in play for this fall. So, for example, Pillip is running as a Republican, but as you'll hear in this clip of her her being interviewed on Fox 5, she recites most of the national Republican talking points, but tries to distance herself from at least one. If you really see my voting record, you will see I'm all about uh, law enforcement, supporting law enforcement, public safety, lowering taxes, and and, uh, securing our borders. What about abortion? Abortion? Yes, sir. You know, it's a very complex issue. You have seven uh, kids. Seven kids? Yes. <laughs> I am religious, okay? Therefore, I am pro-life. However, and I want to emphasize the however here, I'm not going to force my own beliefs in any woman. It's not going to happen. Therefore, I'm not going to support a national abortion ban. Mazi Pillar on Fox 5. And for Swazi's part, here he is on Spectrum News New York 1, backing President Biden on most things, but notably not on one. I think the president has done a a lot of fantastic accomplishments related to infrastructure, uh, the CHIPS Act, uh, the fact that the economy is approving. I'm not happy that the president has not made immigration uh, more of a focus. We'll hear more clips of the candidates as we go, and we'll take your phone calls. With me now, two reporters following the race, Rebecca Lewis, senior state politics reporter at City and State New York, and Nick Reisman, who covers New York state government and politics for Politico New York and is co-author of their morning newsletter called New York Playbook. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Nick. Welcome back to WNYC. Hi, Brian. Nick, I see Politico has published brief interview transcripts with both candidates How much did those clips start to get at how they're positioning themselves on the issues? Well, one thing, Brian, that we're seeing right now is that uh, former Congressman Tom Suozzi has been kind of making central to his argument that he should be returning to Congress uh, in his old congressional seat is uh, his staunch support for Israel, which, uh, you know, there's very little daylight between him and uh, President Joe Biden on the issue of the United States supporting Israel in the wake of the uh, 10-7 Hamas attacks. Swazi actually visited Israel among uh, kind of a a litany of uh, congressional candidates and elected officials from the U.S. who have traveled to Israel in the weeks since the Hamas attack. 
and essentially has come back and said, look, this is something where we have to be unwavering in our support for Israel moving forward. Uh, Hillop, on the other hand, has kind of tried to uh, not necessarily shy away from saying that support for Israel is central to her campaign. But, you know, you look at her biography, she is uh, a former member of the IDF. She um, is uh, Jewish herself. And she has said that, you know, there's a number of issues that she's kind of looking at here in this campaign, especially when it comes to the migrant crisis facing New York right now. And she has tried to ding Democrats and tie Swazi to the migrant crisis in New York. And that's something that we have seen in polling become very politically potent in this state. And so the, in the, the special election on February 13th and then the days leading up to it, early voting are, are really kind of seen by both parties as, as a test case for whether that migrant crisis message is going to resonate with voters or not going forward into uh, into the election season, especially yeah. with some of these battleground house races. And we'll get more into migrants as an issue and the Middle East as an issue in this race as we go. Uh, anything from you, Rebecca, to start out on how much those clips were representative of how they're trying to position themselves in this swing district? You know, I think that they are pretty representative. Tom Swazi is trying very hard. I mean, first off, uh, it's hard to position yourself to be more pro-Israel than uh, an Ethiopian refugee brought to Israel who served in the IDF, Orthodox Jewish uh, person. It, it's hard to say that you're more pro-Israel than someone with that background. So it makes sense that he's trying to uh, appeal to constituencies for whom this is a major issue. And just in general, you know, it, it, I think it makes sense, too, for, for Pillup to not necessarily make her entire campaign about, you know, let's say her identity, that she is also running on issues that often resonate with Republican voters, even on Long Island, even though, you know, the border crisis is not something that directly uh, influences or directly impacts Long Islanders. But she's also focused on, you know, crime and safety and the migrant crisis, which is a big issue on Long Island. But ultimately, you know, I it, it's it's hard to say how much specific uh, stances on these issues is really going to impact uh, the race as opposed to general partisan politics, which also makes sense for Tom Swazi, who's really, really pushing his bipartisan bona fides to try to get those conservative independents and even get those Republican voters who might vote for him. It's why he launched his campaign at the home of a Republican voter. Mm. Uh, you know, it's it's Long Island has become so incredibly partisan, even more so than other parts of the country and even more so than other parts of the state. And Tom Swazi is in many ways facing an uphill battle to go against the three-year-long red red wave that has hit Long Island. And, uh, you know, I think it's harder for him, even with his background, than it is for someone with an R next to their name. And listeners, your calls with questions or comments are welcome. Uh, I guess we could say we're close enough to early voting. We can say electioneering, welcome here. You can call and support your candidate. But we, of course, want people with questions about the two candidates and any other comments. 
WNYC 212-433-9692 for Nick Reisman from Politico, New York, and Rebecca Lewis from City and State, New York, 212-433-WNYC, especially from the district, 212-433-9692, call or text. Let, let me follow up uh, for a second, and Rebecca, I'll give you the first shot at this, but I don't know if you know one of you is more on it than the other. Um, the issue that the host singled out in the Fox 5 interview of Pillip, abortion rights, is Pillip's position clear from that answer and other things that you know that she has said that she would not support any new limits on abortion rights at all as a member of Congress? Her answer there was that she wouldn't support a national abortion ban, which is the most extreme version of something Congress might do. Uh, or is Swazi questioning her record on that, or is he different than her on that in any way? Rebecca, how known is that? You know, I think that Pillip's answer is about as clear as we will often see with Republicans running in districts that have a lot of moderates or lean Republican or are swing districts. And it's not uncommon to see Democrats go after uh, Republicans who won't say definitively, let's say, I'm not going to limit abortion in any way. Pillip saying, I am personally pro-life, but I do not support an abortion ban. That is very similar to other Republicans who have been elected in the suburbs, whether it's Long Island or the Hudson Valley. And, you know, the records have maybe been... I don't want to say mixed. Uh, certainly there have been Republicans who have been elected in moderate or swing districts who have gotten criticism for their votes on abortion adjacent issues, uh, you know, limiting access to abortion care for uh, veterans, I believe, was uh, something that came up for a few of the Republicans being targeted by Democrats, which is not directly the same as uh voting for a national abortion ban or supporting that. So it's it's about as clear as I think you will get from a lot of Republicans. And it makes sense that Tom Suozzi is attacking her for it. But we've seen that the abortion issue, at least the past couple of years, has not resonated as much with New York voters as it has with other voters across the country. Now, whether that will change this year in a presidential year when you have more of uh, more voters coming out who might not come out in off-year elections, who might be more worried about national issues. It might be coming up more, but we have certainly seen that the the issue of of abortion, focusing on that and trying to hit Republicans on abortion, hasn't necessarily led to uh, stellar results for Democrats trying to win back or just outperform Republicans. Anything to add on that, Nick? I agree with Rebecca very broadly on that. You know, whenever you ask Republicans about the abortion issue, they, they, especially in New York, they do not necessarily want to answer that question. And it is difficult to get a very clear as a bill response to them. Usually the stock reply is they do not support that quote unquote national abortion ban. I will disagree, however, uh, that abortion can still resonate in some congressional districts. We saw it be a big issue in the special election between Pat Ryan and Mark Molinaro uh, back in 2022. And some That's Democrats in the, in are, the Hudson Valley, just the Hudson north Valley. of the city. Yeah. Uh -huh. Right. 
So it's it's it has resonated in some of these suburban and exurban districts. I'm not quite sure to to Rebecca's point, and I think she's right here, that this is something that necessarily will have legs in a suburban race where Tom Swazi himself, who has said he's supportive of abortion rights, is not making it central to his campaign. Mm-hmm. I would be I would I would expect, and I think we have seen already a number of his surrogates already kind of make that, uh, you know, a case for abortion rights themselves. And Swazi is kind of focusing on these other issues. So here's another clip of Mazi Pillip on something that she is making central to her campaign. It's the migrants issue. And she was asked in that Fox 5 interview, being an immigrant yourself, and I'm paraphrasing here, these weren't the exact words in the question, but she was born in Ethiopia. Her family were refugees to Israel, as you two have been describing when she was 12 and then eventually to the United States. With that background herself, is she not supportive of people trying to come here now themselves under circumstances that they may see as similar? Here's part of her response. You know, I came to this country legally. When I came to Israel, I came legally. It's very important. I can tell you from experience, being a new immigrant is a hard process. You know, to, to learn new language, new culture, it is you struggle every single day and then as a child you come home you want your parents to help you with homework there is nobody to help you so if we want to bring people it has to be legal and the government we have the responsibility to make sure we're helping those people to integrate into society and becoming a good member of the society that's not the right way to do it the open border policy right now bringing millions without any plan is not helping the american people and it's not helping the the immigrants and i, I felt it twice you know, in every point, you want to give up. And, and if, you, if you're not educated enough, you know, you're going to find himself, yourself dealing with uh, uh, yeah. crime. And you don't want that. That's not fair. So, Rebecca, how central do you think the migrants um, and the border are right now as a voting issue in this district? The district is in parts of Nassau and northeast Queens that I think are not seeing large numbers of migrants or shelters themselves. So with other things on people's minds, the economy, democracy, the Middle East, climate, housing, how salient do you think the migrant issue is in this swing district race? I think that hitting the right tone on the migrant issue will be very important. We're not seeing a lot of migrants who are being relocated to Nassau County and uh, frankly, the Queen's portion of the district is is very minimal. So the impact that the migrant crisis is having in New York City, the constituency, I'm not trying to say that they are not important, but they are a much smaller minority in the voters that Swazi and Pillip are going to be appealing to. But Nassau County residents, we've certainly seen with Bruce Blakeman, the Republican county executive, has been vocal about not having migrants come into into uh, the county, to not have them sheltered in the county. And it plays into the broader concerns that Long Island residents and residents of the district have voted, the, the issues that they voted on in the past, which re- relate to crime and public safety and messaging that uh, migrants coming into New York City is causing uh, chaos, that they are uh, committing crime, even if there isn't data that's supporting that, there is a perception that that is what's happening, that that this is part of the uh, crumbling of New York City. Uh, It's a very Long Island, very suburban thing to 
say that New York City is falling apart. It's, you know, full of crime. It's not safe. We're afraid to go on the subways. And the influx of migrants has only exasperated that, even if there, again, hasn't been data, statistics to suggest that that's true. And we certainly heard in the clip, uh, Philip made sure to punctuate that answer with crime, the word crime at the end of the stretch we played. Uh, Yeah. So it's, it's part of the broader messaging, you know, to I don't think it's I don't think anyone is necessarily going to vote on the issue. But I think that hitting the wrong tone and saying, you know, the wrong things, not mentioning, as Philip Mm -hmm. did, these concerns will may alienate voters. But it's also true that there are still Democratic base members who live on Long Island, um, who I know have been unmotivated in some of the past years who also might not like the fact that Tom Swazi is, you know, also not trying to take a stance on this. But that's that's more of a broader issue in terms of who the candidates are trying to get out in terms of moderate swing voters as opposed to, especially for Democrats, you know, the base voters who may not have been turning out in the recent years, but are they're really focused on those Mm-hmm. independent conservative leading or independent swing voters who have been voting for Republicans. And these are the issues that they are worried about. And it makes sense to, like I said, strike the right tone, even if I don't think there are very many voters who are going to that this will be a, a, an, an issue that their vote hinges on. Nick, anything to add on that? Do you agree that Swazi is trying to not talk about that issue while Philip is trying to emphasize it? Yeah, I agree with Rebecca here. You know, like I said, with uh, uh, abortion for Republicans, the migrant crisis is kind of a similar issue for Democrats that they're kind of uh, pushing back on from their back foot uh, and is one that they do have some trouble discussing, in part because they don't want to potentially undermine President Biden, who has kind of struggled with this border security issue as well. So this is one of those uh, kind of wedge concerns for for Democrats that they're going to really probably struggle with going into this election season, barring some sort of uh, relief here for this migrant crisis. Uh, At at the same time, though, you're also seeing, you know, to the point about crime and public safety, whenever, as Rebecca mentioned, you know, this concept that New York City is falling apart is, is in deep trouble, you're seeing, you know, if you're in the New York City media market, you are seeing images on the nightly news in the New York Post or the newspaper or whatever, stories about the migrant crisis, about this influx and flow of people into the city over these last two years or so now. So even if you are not necessarily seeing it on your suburban street, you're seeing it virtually every day in the news. And that's something that voters are really internalizing, I suspect. A listener texts this message, Nassau cares about federal and state taxes that they pay going to immigrants. Nick, I wonder if you would talk about, uh, if you see it as a, a real thing, the intersection between the issue of taxes and the issue of migrants. I think they both are campaigning on their record and attacking the other's record on taxes generally. Yeah, I think that's true. And obviously, I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about these issues like the migrant crisis, like public safety, which are 
relatively new from the last decade or so. But one thing that you can always count on is that taxes will be a major issue in any sort of Nassau County race. I mean, I remember as a young reporter covering then Nassau County Executive Tom Swazi, who in a rather quixotic bid for governor against uh, then Attorney General Elliot Spitzer in the Democratic primary was campaigning on a property tax cap. So yes, taxes are a major league issue here. And one issue that we're going to be seeing come to the forefront next week when Governor Hochul releases her budget is how much money uh, she is going to propose to addressing the migrant crisis in New York State. And so all of that is going to kind of get tied up here in that migrant debate about how much state resources, federal resources should be spent on responding to this and how that money should be spent. Should it be for unlimited hotel stays and and housing? Should it be on legal support and finding migrants uh, jobs and making it easier for them to get hired once they have some sort of uh, asylum seeker status in the United States? This is very complicated. It's very expensive. So I could see how this certainly will become a tax issue, especially how this money is ultimately spent. Anything more on that, Rebecca? I think we're hearing from the two candidates. This one raised your taxes. That one will raise your taxes. Where are you on that? You know, there there are a few things that uh, Long Island residents care more about than taxes. It is ve- uh, they have very high property taxes, among the highest in the nation. There's a reason that Tom Swazi was a champion for uh, uh, repealing the salt deduction cap. It is one of the biggest issues for Long Islanders. And so how their tax, how their their taxes get spent and how they, you know, how they're able to manage their budgets, uh, how they're able to uh, operate in the economy. It's, it's a big issue for Long Islanders, especially homeowners. So whether it's related to the migrant crisis and mm. how funds are being used, whether it's the SALT uh, cap, whether it's, you know, they, they really, agree. Yeah. I imagine they agree on the salt cap, right, that that should be repealed. Federal and state tax uh, deductions on your federal income taxes, that that should not be capped at $10,000. I imagine they agree in lockstep on that. Yes, Rebecca? That, that's a pretty bipartisan issue for Long Island uh, Republicans, especially in su- suburban suburban lawmakers in, in Congress. It's uh, Swazi is able to camp. He's able to campaign and say that I helped to get this passed in the House in the past, but we had a Republican Senate and we couldn't get it passed in the Senate. So, you know, he's able to actually point to uh, his specific advocacy, um, even, you know, in lockstep with former uh, Representative Pete King, who recently was very unhappy to see himself uh, featured in a pro-Swazi ad uh, because uh, they they had, I forget which specific uh, issue it was that they, they had, joined on to introduce legislation, but it is certainly a, a very bipartisan issue. It's uh, I don't think that you could get elected on Long Island if you said, I don't believe we should repeal uh, the salt cap. Yeah. Now, when we continue after a break, we're going to get into the Middle East as an issue in this race. We're going to get into Pillip's voting record uh, as an issue in this race that Swazi is raising. Apparently, Philip won't say who she voted for for president. Uh, I'm curious if she's been asked. I haven't seen it, where she is on MAGA and Trump going forward. We'll get into that. Uh, just before before we take the break, though, oh, and listeners will, will 
Get your calls and more of your texts, 212-433-WNYC. Jane in Port Washington in the district, we see you. You'll be the next caller, 212-433-9692. Call or text. But just to follow up on what you were just saying, Rebecca, before we go to the break, um, on Swazi being, you know, very much running on his bipartisanship. I've seen mailers from him that's all about that. Uh, his Some of his TV commercials are all about that, Mr. Bipartisan. Um, and he was in that caucus called the Problem Solvers Caucus when he was last in Congress, which is bipartisan. It's there to, in part, distinguish uh, Democrats like him from the more progressive wing in the party and Republicans from the more MAGA wing of their party. Ha- do you know if Pillip has been asked if she would join the Problem Solvers Caucus or if she would join the Freedom Caucus or how she would position herself in that respect as a Republican in Congress? Whether she, she has specifically been asked, I'm that I'm not aware of. I'm not sure if, if Nick is aware of that's a specific question that she's at, she's been asked or if she's commented on. But as far as I know, I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure if she's she's been asked or given a specific answer on that. Nick, any idea? Is she running more as a kind of Republican stalwart and less of, you know, if he's Mr. Bipartisan, uh, Mr. Problem Solvers Caucus in this district, I'm Ms. Problem Solvers Caucus in this district, or is she running more like on, hey, the Republicans have it right and that's why you want to elect me? Really quickly, I would have to imagine that, well, one, I don't know if she has been asked this yet. She's actually given, uh, you know, only a handful of interviews, to be to be honest. But uh, I would imagine if she were to be elected to Congress, she would fall in line with a number of the other House Republicans from Long Island, guys like Anthony D'Esposito and Nick LaLota, who um, have not necessarily been problem solver style Republicans, but have been Republicans who represent suburban swing districts who are not necessarily fans of the of the Freedom Caucus, of the of the right wing of the House GOP conference. They are the guys who, quote unquote, want to get stuff done, want to get some sort of accomplishments done, such as repealing that salt cap uh, support for 9-11 first responders, stuff that does have that kind of bipartisan sheen to it, I think. So given how well the Long Island delegation so far has worked together, sans George Santos, of course, I would be surprised if uh, uh, Pillip doesn't necessarily kind of fall into that category if she were to win. We'll continue in a minute with Rebecca Lewis from City and State, New York, Nick Reisman from Politico, New York. Your calls and texts, more clips. Stay with us. WNYC as we follow the race in the 3rd Congressional District in New York for the open seat that's open because fabulous George Santos was kicked out. And this is a real swing district for those of you not familiar. Biden won it in the presidential election in 2020, but Santos as a Republican won it in 2022. The candidates to replace George Santos are Republican Mozzie Pillip and Democrat Tom Swazi, who used to hold the seat. Remember, he um, vacated in order to run in the Democratic gubernatorial primary in 2022 against Kathy Hochul. He ran to her right in that Democratic primary, but of course lost. 
now he wants his old job back uh, and go back to the House seat that he vacated and that George Santos took. And we're talking about it with Rebecca Lewis from City and State New York and Nick Reisman from Politico New York. Um, Just to clear up one little piece of shorthand that we've been using in in our conversation, because I see a listener is writing in to say, what are you saying? Are you saying salt tab? What's that? So when we talk about the salt tax, salt is an acronym. It stands for state and local tax, and it's the salt tax deduction cap. So until the Trump um, tax law revisions, state and local taxes were deductible on federal taxes, up to however many state and local taxes you pay. They put a cap on that of $10,000. So for a lot of people who are homeowners on Long Island and a lot of New Jersey, other places, uh, they pay a lot more than $10,000 a year in state and local taxes, and that's no longer deductible. So under Trump and the Congress at that time, it was really a tax hike uh, on people in those circumstances. And so all the members of Congress um, from Long Island, no matter what party, and all the candidates uh, from most of New Jersey as well, and some other places with similar economics are very much for repealing the SALT tax deduction, and just to explain that a little more fully. Um, But another issue, of course, is the Middle East, and Muzzy Pillip is an Ethiopian Jew who lived in Israel, former Israeli Defense Forces member, and then came here. So here is Swazi responding to a question about his opinion on the conflict on New York One. I have to have, be inhuman not to feel sympathy for so many people that are suffering, both in Israel uh, and in Gaza. Uh, but Hamas must be stopped. So we know Philip's personal background, Rebecca, but are they different at all in their actual policy positions on the war? Does Swazi support Biden in calling for more restraint by Israel, which Biden does, and and Philip does not support that or anything you can pinpoint there? No, for the most part, they are very similar. Swazi is very adamant about having no uh, conditions on aid to Israel. So Really, m- anything else there is is of minimal importance. He is Swazi is uh, distinguishing himself from some members of his party who have begun to say we should be putting some conditions on our aid. We should be telling Israel that they should be uh, more careful in how they approach the war with Hamas. They should be giving more humanitarian aid to the civilians of Gaza. He's very adamant that there should be unconditional aid, that talking about conditioning aid is abhorrent, that we shouldn't be talking about that, that that he is fully supportive of Israel 100 percent, no matter what. Uh, if he has made comments that are a little bit more nuanced about whether Israel should be uh showing some more restraint. Um, it's possible I've missed them, but I think that the the heart of his stance on this is unconditional aid. And if you call for conditions like some members of my party, you are wrong. And I think that that's really the most important part. And Pillip is similar, you know, unconditional aid for, for Israel, 
uh, continuing to send aid, really supporting Israel. So I think uh, on in substance, there isn't really much of an issue where maybe Swazi would be more willing to say, you know, I'm with President Biden and how he's choosing to approach this, whereas I'd imagine that Pillip would not uh, go so far as to say, you know, Biden is, is taking the right approach. Jane in Port Washington, you're on WNYC. Hi, Jane. Hi, thank you for taking my call. <clears throat> I just, as a sidebar, I just want to reiterate what you just did say about um, the salt tax and that that is not going to be any better under a second Trump administration. But that's not why I called. I called because I think experience has to matter. And boy, we sure don't hear very much about that. I know that Ms. Pillip is a member of the county, Nassau County Legislature, and I hear from my own county legislature that she never says one word in those meetings. Um, she has no prior political uh, election experience. So I think that's a factor that really should be taken into account. She seemingly follows uh, Bruce Blaisman, Republican, and everything that he says, especially when it comes to uh, Hofstra pre president <clears throat> who put out a statement that was perfectly okay, not one word wrong in it. He condemned it because, uh, well, because she doesn't like the idea that a, a huge uh, uh, gambling thing will be put up in next door to Hofstra University. But Ms. Pillip has gone along with Bruce Blakeman. I, I, there's just so many things where she's been pushed into that role by the Republican chair, and, and he just wants to see a purely red thing. And that's why she's not doing any uh, of her of debates that Tom has asked her to do. And I find it just, you know, wait, wait, <laughs> does she have any reason to be here in this role? Tom Swazi certainly does. He does have great experience. He's yeah. worked very hard on that ball tax. So now, I don't in, know. I in, just think in, in fairness, Jane, if there was a relatively rookie candidate who you agreed with on the issues, would experience matter as much to you? Or would you think, huh, fresh face, let's give this person a shot? Well, if, okay, if, if, if a local, if she was running for, or he were running for the county legislature, yeah, I would. Not for the uh, Congress of the U.S. No, I'm sorry, experience does count, right. I believe. Jane, thank you very much for your call. Um, here's one more clip of Swazi, and it kind of relates to what Jane was bringing up. This raises the issue that Pillip won't say who she and since becoming a citizen of the United States. After George Santos, quite frankly, when nobody knew what the truth was about George Santos, I think people have the right to have a candidate that's transparent that we can really find out what they're all about. Either she voted for Donald Trump and she doesn't like that idea, or she voted for Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden and she doesn't want her base to know about that. Or she didn't vote at all. But is that true, what Swazi says there, Nick? Uh, Pillip won't say who she voted for for president? Right. And actually, my colleague, Jason Bieferman, when he interviewed Pillip uh, a couple of uh, days ago, asked her, you know, why won't you even talk about who you voted for uh, in that election? And Pillip said, you know, I'm trying to focus on my election and future elections. I'm not going to talk about what happened uh, two years ago, but I'm not necessarily sure that is something that uh, voters 
who are going to be scrutinizing this election are necessarily going to buy, especially for, like, say, the base of the party, the Democratic Party, uh, which remains uh, deeply skeptical, if not vehemently opposed to another Trump presidency. So, you know, Pillip is really trying to sidestep this as much as possible, given that President Biden uh, so handily won that district last time around. Uh, listener text seems to me like 90% of Muzzy Pillip's public events and statements are about Israel. It's important to me as a Jew, writes this listener, but she seems unconcerned about any other issue and is frankly insular. It doesn't seem like she's even trying to reach out to other communities, signed Rick from Manhasset. Do you think that's a charge that sticks, Nick? I don't necessarily think that's uh necessarily accurate or or fair at this point. I mean, we still have a few more weeks. We've got about a month to go until this election uh, is actually held. So there is going to be some more time for Pillip to kind of uh, roll out what she plans to do. And she has been talking about that migrant crisis, about the cost of living and the affordability concerns, which has become the favorite buzzword for both Republicans and Democrats uh, in this new year. So it, it, it's not like she's trying to, you know, run fully on her biography. I think Republicans know that <laughs> after being burned by the George Santos experience, that you cannot fully run on someone's biography, that you have to run on these issues. And we'll see what happens over the over these next four weeks. But I suspect there are going to be some additional issues that Pillip and the Republicans will be rolling out, especially when it comes to the cost of living, inflation, and, and those affordability concerns. And she has been open about being a registered Democrat because she first registered as a Democrat when she first registered to vote. But being one of those sort of ex-Democrats who feels like the party left her, as she puts it, and so has been running as a Republican for Nassau County Legislature and now here. Uh, but I'm curious, Rebecca, if she's been asked if she thinks President Biden was legitimately elected or if she thinks Donald Trump has the character to be president again. Uh, you know, to reiterate what Nick had said about uh, her not talking much with the press, uh, I don't believe that she has been asked that. But again, it's possible I missed it. And she's certainly not offering that proactively. Uh, she she has given minimal interviews to the press. Her public appearances have been minimal. And she, as we talked about, wouldn't say if she voted for Donald Trump. So if she has been asked about it, I would have to imagine that she gave a uh, diplomatic non-answer, if anything, uh, but I don't believe that I've, I've seen whether she's been specifically asked about the legitimacy of the 2022 yeah. election. Uh, but like I said, I would imagine that if she was asked about it, she would give a, a as I said, a diplomatic non-answer, if anything. Do you know if she's been asked about race or spoken about it at all? She's black. She talks about anti-Semitism, which is clearly an issue. Um as a Jew and just as a person, but she is also a black person. Has she talked about racism or taken any positions on how to bring more racial equality? Where will she be on Martin Luther King Day? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure where she will be on Martin Luther King Day. I will say certainly uh, her Jewish identity has kind of taken center stage, but it is true that 
She is also Ethiopian. She is African. She is a black woman. And that is a factor in this race that I think that perhaps has not gotten as much attention. Uh, You know, Republicans in some ways took a chance on her candidacy, not just with her uh, relatively limited political background, but with a uh, profile, let's say, that you might more expect to see of a Democrat. Uh, And Long Island, I don't want to say has a quote unquote race issue per se, but certainly her race, I think, will play a role in the election that perhaps has not been uh, thoroughly analyzed yet. The district certainly does not have a large black community or a large African immigrant community either. And I think that there is there is a possibility that some voters might be hesitant to vote for someone who has a background like hers, who might otherwise resonate with the messaging of Republicans. And I do think that it is perhaps intentional that she's focusing more on and that Republicans are focusing more on the fact that she is uh, an Israeli American who grew up in Israel, uh, former soldier and Jewish, as opposed to specifically the Ethiopian part of her background, uh, where she did spend the first, uh, I believe, about 12 years of her life before she, she says uh, 12, yes, before 12. she came over to Israel yes, as 12. a refugee. You know, that that certainly is a a part of her identity that comes up specifically uh, a little bit less than some of the other parts of her identity. So to wrap it up on this issue of Pillip um, not doing much media or only doing friendly media, uh, you know, I've seen her on Fox Local, Fox National, and Newsmax. I haven't seen her elsewhere. Uh, and not accepting debates, um, which has been reported in Newsday. Listener writes, I am a CD3 resident, Congressional District 3 resident, that's a district, and Mazi Pillip is my county legislator in her prior runs for office, and in this one, she makes sure to speak only to friendly audiences, and she largely avoids one-on-one debate. That tactic has worked for her before, but it's not the way democracy is meant to operate, says this listener. So, Nick, are there any televised or other debates scheduled between Mazi Pillip and Tom Swazi? Swazi definitely has been pushing for one. I mean, not a day goes by that I don't get some email from the Swazi campaign and from the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee pointing out that Philip has not agreed to a debate yet, either on the local network television or News 12. I think Swazi, right out of the gate, uh, agreed to three debates. I could be wrong about that, but he has he, he wants multiple debates. He feels like he's good in a debate format and he would be effective in that um in that style of campaigning. I, I can't necessarily speak to Pillip's uh, strategy here other than it is not atypical for many politicians to feel like they will get a better shake and a fairer shake on friendly media outlets. We see that frequently with Republicans. We also see it frequently with Democrats too, right? So, you know, Pillip is obviously trying to target a certain kind of voter in the third congressional district, someone who watches local network television like Fox, someone who watches Fox News or Newsmax, 
and uh, would be motivated based on watching that interview right. to go out and vote for her. Yeah, it's a turnout strategy rather than a persuade the middle swing district voter, swing voter uh, strategy, I guess. I'm going to tack one more on here, even though I said that was the last question, uh, because a listener just wrote one in that I think is really relevant. And it uh, this also uh, is going to, I think you're going to say, I don't know, because you haven't seen Pillip asked. Uh, but it says, she never says one word about Ukraine. Her husband is Ukrainian. I know her husband is Ukrainian. I've seen her say that on television. Do you know if she or Swazi have positions on more military aid to Ukraine, Rebecca? Then we're out of time. That is a good question, and I will say I'm not sure. Um, that certainly has not been a focus for either of their campaigns. Uh, Swazi has been putting out uh, his campaign plans, and it's possible that he's mentioned it in one of them, uh, but it, it's certainly not part of his his, his stump speech. And, and Pillip also, you know, from the limited interactions that she's had with the media uh, in, in interviews, uh, I don't recall her ever talking about Ukraine. So I think that would be a good question for either of them next time they talk to the press. And there we leave it with two members of the press covering the Tom Swazi, Mazi Pillip race to replace George Santos in the 3rd Congressional District in Queens and Nassau County. We thank Rebecca Lewis, senior state politics reporter at City and State New York, and Nick Reisman, who covers New York state government and politics for Politico New York and is co-author of their morning newsletter called New York Playbook. Thanks both so much. Thanks, Brian.